Hello and welcome back to the Ninja Tune podcast with your brand new host, me. My name is Azaria and in this episode I'll be sitting down with Edinburgh-born, London-based producer Barry Can't Swim to chat about his upcoming EP, more content, dropping this June 24th. He'll give us a rundown of his musical journey so far, we'll hear about some of the artists that inspire him at the moment, and also some of the music he listened to growing up. Hello Barry, how are you? Do you prefer Barry or Josh? Because I feel like... Which one is it, you know? Um, do you know, I'm a bit of both now, so I really don't mind. Like, it's Barry, it's Josh, it, it doesn't really matter to me. It so, used to be Josh, now it's Barry. Mm. Well, you know, that was actually one of the first things that I wanted to know about today, is how you came up with the moniker Barry Can't Swim, because I've got a few theories myself, but I was just thinking there has to be a story behind this. I, I'm quite keen to hear your theories, to be honest. Though, but... I think they're pretty stupid. I'll tell you one. Well, I was just, in my head, I was like... You must have a mate and you were on holiday, right? And he goes in the sea and you're like, where's Barry? Shit. Yeah. And then he's like, fuck, he's swimming. Oh my God, he's drowning. Barry you... can't swim, man. Let's go get him. <laughs> Do you know what? Like, you're actually not that far off. And to be honest with you, it's... Cause I get asked this question all the time and so I really should have a better answer. But the truth is, it's so shit. Basically, I've just got a mate who's called Barry. Um, <laughs> I knew it. And he just, he can't swim. And uh, it's always been a bit of a sort of thing that we've slagged him off about and we've always kind of taken the piss out of him. Um, and I just needed a name and I was with him and uh, it just sort of came to me then. And that is honestly it. It's just my mate Barry, he can't swim and I've, that's my new alias now. You know what? I literally knew it was going to be that because I was like, yeah. how... I can't imagine someone... You know, I feel like the greatest names in life come from experience, you know? Totally. So it's you and I was like, there is no other explanation. It's in the title. Barry yeah. Can't Swim, mate. Yeah, That's yeah. it. It is one of the greats, I think, uh, you know. Yeah, so... definitely. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a weird one. Like, I think I'd... I'm trying to remember. I think I would just... To be honest, when I first started putting tunes, obviously I never thought that this was going to become, like, my career and stuff. So... It didn't really have much thought. It was just like, yeah, this name will do. Barry can't swim. And now it's my whole existence and everybody thinks I'm called Barry. So it's just funny how it kind of changes. Well, but, I love yeah. it. You're a true true Londoner now. Yeah. You're called Barry, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> and I live in the East End, so yeah. <laughs> so before we dive into the upcoming release of your brand new EP coming out in June, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the reception that Blackpool Boulevard has been getting? Because... It's a banger. That's oh, thank it's you. a freaking banger, thank mate. You. Cheers. But, you know, before it came out, um, I well, sorry, just after it came out, I had my DJ friends being like, "You need to give me that track," and I really? was like, "You need to go buy it." <laughs> <laughs> Rate that, like, nice one. <laughs> um, but yeah, how do I feel about yeah the reception? Mental, like, absolutely mad. Honestly, I did not expect it at all. Like, um, I felt like when we made it, me and Anish, like, it felt. Like, it was a special tune, to be honest with you, but I didn't think it would do this. Like, it's been totally mad. Like, all the supports have at radio and just, like, seeing, you know, DJs that I've, like, aspired to for so long, like, playing it out and just seeing the reaction it gets live and stuff is is mad. So um, I definitely knew that it was a good tune, I think, which a lot of the time, you know, you don't know that. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I think sometimes it's weird, like, and I don't think this is just unique to me. Like, any producers that I speak to, a lot of the time, it's the tunes that they are not really feeling that end up doing well and sometimes the ones that they love don't do that well 
So, but this was a bit different. I just sort of... You had an inkling. Yeah, you I don't like, know why. Because the, gro- the groove is so slapping and the build-up is so, like, you yeah. just want to explode, like, by the time it, like, bursts out, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so maybe no, you were you. you were having a premonition about the future there when you made it. Yeah, it's also just, like, I don't know, sometimes the best things come together really quickly and that was so quick. Mm. Um, like, it didn't take long at all. Like, sometimes when you're working on a tune and you're, you're really getting kind of stuck in and honing absolutely everything and getting really... I didn't like nerdy about the production mm. and stuff and it gets a bit boring and a bit tedious. But this was like super quick and it felt I think it feels a little bit raw when you hear it still as well. Um but it was just all very, very fast. Which again I think is part of the reason I was quite excited about it. I didn't have the time to get bored of it by the time it came out, you know? So
Well, talking about the praise that it's received, it's landed a spot on BBC Radio 1's playlist, mm. praised by the likes of Pete Tong, Danny Howard and Clara Unfo, and Mix Mag even voted the song one of their best tracks of the year. So it has received overwhelming praise, and I just want to know like, what the creative process was like. You said, you, you know, you explained how when you were making it, it felt a bit special. So mm. how did that uh, come together with Anish? Well, yeah, so what happened was... Um, I got a text from a manager who was chatting to that Anish at the time. I didn't even know who he was, to be honest with you. And he just sent me this tune being like, what do you think of this? And it was this really rough thing. Um, he didn't tell me who it was. And to be honest with you, it was just strings. It was strings and some drums. Um, but it was the strings that really stood out. I was like, these are amazing. Um, and I was like, this is brilliant. I love it. And my manager was like, well, would you want to maybe work on it? And basically, I think what had happened was Anish had been sitting on a sort of quite different version of it for a few years mm. um, and was going to bin it um, and then like sort of sent it to me um, and it, to be honest with you like it was the strings really that we kept that as soon as I heard it it's one of those really weird things this doesn't happen very often but as soon as I heard it I was like I know exactly what I'd want to do to this and I had the mm. piano idea in my head like straight away um, and I was like I'm up for it just because I could kind of hear exactly what I wanted to do with it so that was super quick, and then me and Anish just got chatting, sending like sort of versions back and forth. Um, we kept the strings, which I think are just, I still think are amazing. And it was actually his brother that played them, which I, I didn't realise at the time. Um, and then we just sent it back and forth, and we were kind of just WhatsApping. I mean, I didn't even meet him until like after it. It was like a week before it came out, because it was just over WhatsApp. true COVID style, isn't yeah, it, really? Yeah, yeah, it was just like sending things back and forth over the internet. So, um, But yeah, and the inspiration behind it was... Just, I guess it's called Blackpool Boulevard because it's like a sort of a nod to Northern Soul. And um, obviously. My dad loves that. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan as well. Yeah. Anish is a massive fan too. So, um, and obviously Blackpool being like a, a really important place um, in that sort of scene. So, um, it was kind of an attempt to make a Northern Soul tune that was like modern, like I guess something that was like kind of a bit ready for like a modern dance floor, but also felt quite like a live performance um, so we were super conscious of that whenever we were working on the production like wanted to make it feel quite live still quite organic not too sort of processed and overproduced you must be really excited sort of bust out that tune at festivals this yeah. year because i feel like it's come out at such a good time yeah. and especially now things are really kicking into gear like opening up festivals all of it is happening again that tune is just going to be unreal. Yeah. The crowds are <laughs> going to be like no, going geez. mental. But you are actually classically trained in piano. Yeah, I, well, I've played sort of classical piano. I mean, to be honest with you, yeah, I've played classical piano since I was about nine, a bit of jazz piano. Um, but I mean, honestly, I've forgotten all that shit. Now. Yeah. Like, as in, like, I, I, I did, I did do that, and then when I got to about fifteen, I was just like, didn't want to do it. Like the classical music is like, I like classical music. Don't get me wrong, but like just the sort of process of it is really like strict and you're like almost like trying to play someone else's mm. like piece of music perfectly and it's a bit too kind of like I don't know I just I didn't really enjoy it that much I didn't really enjoy it and then when I got to about 14 15 I just started spending more time just making my own things I just preferred like writing um so I kind of stopped but yeah I was classically trained for a bit I mean yeah. I say that now if I was to jump on a piano and yeah. someone asked me to play some I don't know like Beethoven or something I would not have a clue <laughs> like, so take me back to nine-year-old Josh so mm. you, you're starting your piano and stuff was music a prominent feature in your life like in your household no 
No, it's quite funny. So my granddad got the piano for free. There was an advert in the newspaper uh, about it being like piano free to a good home. And it was my granddad that was like, you should get Josh to do this. Um, and so my mum was like, well, I'm going to get the piano. And then she was, my mum started doing some piano lessons. And then she was like, kind of asking me to do it. And I was like, I don't really want to. I'm not really interested. Like, I always liked music. And I always like felt like I, um, I mean, everybody likes music. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't like something that I really thought of doing, especially not as a nine-year-old. I, I, I was more interested in playing football and stuff like that, to be honest with you, than actually like playing the piano. I was like, I don't really want to do this. Yeah, I think um, that's a lot of children, isn't it? Like yeah, They get yeah. forced into it and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> I was just more into sport, like playing football and like playing sports and stuff like that. So I was a kid and then... But I went and the piano teacher said to my mum I was, I was really good. And then so my mum kind of encouraged me to keep at it for the first, you know, whatever. Um and then I just loved it. I really fell in love mm. with it like pretty quickly after that. And then, I mean, after a, a while, and once I got like maybe a little bit older, I was in my teenagers. I was like, yeah, this is like what I want to do, like for sure. Like, it, can it, you yeah. think of a song that from that time that sort of inspired you to be like, music is amazing. Like, I want to do this, not just playing the piano. Because mm. I feel like a lot of people, I have like a song or an artist that I was like, wow, this yeah. is this is it. You know? Yeah. Do you know what? It's so boring because it's just such an obvious answer, but I'd be lying if I said anything else. Um, I absolutely became obsessed. And when I say obsessed, I mean like to a sort of like perverse level, to be honest with you. Right. <laughs> uh, with the Beatles when I was like 13, 14.
come from a particularly musical household, like my mum and dad, they like music, but in the way that everyone likes music, they're not like, mm-hmm. you know, crate diggers and stuff like that. They listen to, you know, whatever. But um, I really just got so into, well, it was firstly the Beatles and then it was a lot of classic sort of 60s stuff and uh, kind of psych rock I got really into. And I got really into like a lot of my soul and Motown as well. Um was like, I guess, the first sort of real love and even though like, I still love all that stuff now I, I'm, I love obviously love electronic music and like that's what I, I do but I don't think there's anything that kind of compares to hearing a classic like Motown record and just hearing mm. these arrangements and the way everything sits in the mix and just the emotion in it like that to me is just another level I feel like as well that's what makes a truly great artist I feel like a lot of times in life people are so keen to put people in a box mm. and be like I just like electronic music mm. or or I just like rock or yeah. metal like do you know or <laughs> jazz music, like yeah. but it's kind of like actually enjoying all these genres and not trying to put yourself into a box makes you a more rounded or something rounded, yeah yeah rounded. I think you're right I think we're super lucky as well because I guess like we we've kind of like all of us now have grown up in an age where like you can just listen to anything like even the fact that I, I was able to like at 13 14 just go and discover all kinds of 60s music like a lot of people before then wouldn't have had that opportunity because mm. you know you had to have physical records maybe your parents didn't have that record collection maybe they didn't have this so the fact that we're all able to kind of like discover so much now yeah, you um, couldn't just log on to youtube nah, in like 1950 you know I mean? like, yeah exactly it's like even i heard a mad thing that even like when that sort of generation of artists in the 60s like um in britain started really dominating music and going over to america they all came from port towns. It's not a coincidence like, that the Beatles came from Liverpool and uh, bands came from London because they were the first people to physically hear these rock and roll records coming over from the US. So it's like these places were so important to kind of mm. shape in their careers. It's funny when you think about that. Like now, you just wouldn't think that because it's like, I'll just log on to Spotify and listen to whatever. But, you know, in the past, it really was that thing of like, you needed to have this yeah. record or know that that person who had that record to even hear these things, you know? A lot of people do feel that the art of listening to like a project, because when an artist puts out a project, they intend it to be listened from start to finish. Some people who create concept albums, it's kind of nuts. Like, I feel like we're living in the day of singles. Oh, well. totally. Totally. I mean, like people, I love albums. And even me mm. now, I'm like, when was the last time I listened to an album start to finish that I really, truly loved? I'm not sure. Mine's like, Ready to Die by Biggie. I oh, can always listen. <laughs> or uh, 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying. That bangs from start <laughs> yeah, to finish. So like. much Ready to Die. Like, I, I cannot argue with that. Like That is an unbelievable album. I was obsessed with that as well when yeah. I was younger obsessed i used to um pump out like in the club and like candy shop on my slide up (laughs) samsung as i was walking to primary school and i used to feel like the absolute tits like yeah i'm so hard like wait like i literally look at my backpack and my knee high (laughs) so you were born in edinburgh and later on in life you moved to london and at that time what were some of the differences that you noticed in the underground electronic scene compared compared to where you grew up? Mm, um, well, I think the first thing more than anything is that like, while there's undeniably so much more in London and like in terms of like electronic music, I really, I've not experienced a better city to live in in terms of the diversity of it and the number mm. of artists that are here. I mean, there's some great places, but London's so big, do you know what I mean? That there's just going to be more. Um, but I think one big difference, if I'm honest, is that, because Edinburgh's not really that well known for having a great electronic music scene and mm. 
it's definitely better now than when I was there because I've not been there for like five years. But it definitely had a sense of community, which I missed when I moved here. Like as in, there was like a street of certain clubs like on the Cowgate that you just would go to. There's about four clubs there, and you just know that you'd bump into. X, Y, and Z, you'd see these people, they were always at these nights, they were into the same music, you'd all go to the same afters. It just felt like there was a bit of a scene and a bit of a community, and I, I loved that. I loved the fact that I could go out on my own if I wanted to. I didn't, but like, yeah, <laughs> I knew that I could. But, <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, but I knew that I could, and just be like, oh, there's blah, 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 and oh, how you doing? And you know the bar staff, and that's something I really missed, and it definitely, definitely had that. And then because they were all on the same street on the Cowgate, everyone rolls out onto the street afterwards and all the clubs close at the same time and everyone's like, right, where are we going next? And so you're just seeing people and, I don't know, that's a really special thing and I think that's definitely not unique to Edinburgh. I'm sure that's the same in most cities, probably I'm literally sitting here thinking about how you've just explained the Isle of Man to me yeah. and how that's such like a... It's so special to have grown up in a place like that because then when you come to London, you, you know, you really sort of appreciate that that side of oh definitely and that's like london in general not even just musically like as in i love it here and there is Mm. so much to do and like like amazingly talented people here who are right at the sort of foreground of what they're doing but i I guess the trade-off for that is it's it's so big that you're never going to really have that sense and i suppose there are sort of little pockets of areas like don't get me wrong that you can go to like even where i am sort of like around hackney like there is little kind of pockets and a sort of sense of community but it's not the same you know, it's not the same, but um, that's the trade-off, isn't it, for... for Absolutely. How do you think the rich music culture in London has helped sort of shape your current sound? Yeah. Because um, there's so many genres yeah. pumping out at all times, all around the place, you know? Yeah, it's, it, that's true. I think it's hard to really know that, that like, tangibly, mm. but um, definitely since living East, like, and just hearing loads of jungle... And like loads of breakbeats and all that stuff, which like isn't really a thing back home, or it definitely wasn't when I was there. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's people that play it, but like, it's not a thing like it is down here. Mm. Um, you know, you just like walking around and just people going past on like bikes with boomboxes, just like blasting at jungle music, and you hear it everywhere. Is there a particular record that you can tell me, about, or a song, from when you first sort of discovered electronic music? You moved away from the Beatles and you were like, whoa, electronic music's so interesting. You heard a song. What yeah. would that song be? Oh, it's hard to say, you know, because there's a couple. Um, uh, there's a few, like, there's a few. Can I say, I was asked to pick one. Yeah, pick one. Oh, I can't even do that. <laughs> like, uh, I'd probably go with New For You by Andre. Um, Oh, I just honestly, still like this tune, just I've heard it a million times. It's one of those weird tunes that I can just hear over and over again. I will never get bored of it.
So when you look back over the last 10 years of your musical story, mm-hmm. what are some of your highlights? It's a big question. 10 years. 10 years, yeah, that's uh, good, 10 years. Oh, you're not that not, old, not are much, you? Not much, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, 10 years, right, okay, let me just think about that. So the musical highlights, as Barry, or just generally? Just in, in your life, like, you know, uh-huh. things... Points where that you think like that was that was a good gig, that was a moment mm. that made me go, I love this, or you know. Mm. Mm. These are one of the questions I sent to you because it was, was quite it? Yeah, hard. I should have, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. quite hard. No, one. no, no. It's a good question though. I'm just like because uh, there's quite a few things. I think um, making the decision to 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 study music, I think, was a big one. Like as in, it's quite funny, but I actually thought I was I wanted to like maybe do architecture which just sounds so boring and i went to like our open day because i had this idea in my head because i was like young and i was just like naive as fuck and i was like can i swear by the way yeah you can we've been swearing this whole time (laughs) (laughs) and i was just proper naive and i was like um i was just like you know what was it i went i went to to an open day and i was like yeah you know i think i'm doing architecture and i met this guy who was like the lecturer i can't even remember what it was and he was like oh uh I was expecting to be inspired, like, thinking I was going to make, like, you know, design buildings and stuff like that. You know, when you're, like, whatever, 17, you think you're going to be this and that. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's all right. You know, you might end up sort of um, working on a couple of conservatories and shit like that. And I was like, what? what? And he was like, yeah, but generally speaking, you know, it's, it's it's not probably what you imagine. I was like, I felt so uninspired. And I was like, do you know what? Like, I'm just going to study music. Like, why not? I love it. And I, had, I took a little bit of time and I was like, I'm going to study music. And then I decided to study music. Uh, my lecturer was like super inspirational. One of the most amazing jazz musicians I've ever met in my life. He's so talented. Um, that was a big thing, deciding to do that. Um, well, I, I imagine. Imagine yeah. looking back and be like, what if I'd pick conservatories, <laughs> man, yeah, over, over there? conservatories, <laughs> I know. Do you know what I mean? Like, so bad. So yeah. I'm really glad I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, and then... Moving to London, I think, as well, was a big thing. Do you know what? Even just going full-time, like, doing this... Do you know what, actually, is probably the biggest thing? Deciding to put the tunes out, which is Mm. so weird because, like, it sounds so obvious, but, like, a lot of the stuff that I had written, I'd written, like, a few years before, and I was just not putting it out. Like, I was just doing it because I like making music, and it was sort of a bit of a New Year's resolution for me to be like, I'm sitting on these tunes, like, I might as well put them out. What have you got to lose? And it was never really... I don't know, I just I, I don't know why I, I wasn't, but I think it's a bit scary sometimes. Were when you a bit got, nervous? A wee bit. Like, I thought the tunes were good, but it's one thing to like make stuff for yourself, but it's another thing to put it out. But the thing is, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a much bigger thing in your head because even if it's shit, nobody cares. <laughs> you know yeah, exactly. I mean? It's like <laughs> nobody cares. No one's listening to that and going, oh. And then remembering. So, But that's a big thing, I think, just taking that sort of step of being like, no, I'm going to share this stuff. Um, well, the music industry is such a... It's one thing, you know, in life, everybody has their insecurities and their doubts, but the music industry just really brings those insecurities to like, the forefront, yeah. uh, if you will. So are there any moments where you've doubted yourself, um, you know, had some insecurities, and how did you sort of overcome that? I think I think it's I think anyone who doesn't doubt themselves at times is is a, is an idiot. I'm not going to lie. They like, must in, be like, like not human. I just think it's ridiculous. Like you get these people that are just like, I mean, anyone who's that confident. Kanye, like, I yeah, knew yeah. it from day one. Yeah. <laughs> but even I feel like a lot of his like confidence stems from insecurity. It's like you do get yeah. people that are like, 
so defiant about what they do. But if you're if you're that kind of person, you're never going to learn. And I think that one of the most important things is if you're being creative is to is to question what you do and like to question things and to critique it. That's the only way you're going to improve. So I don't think having doubts is a bad thing. I actually think it's quite important as long as you don't, you know, let them define you. Yeah. It's not about that. But you know, it's it important makes you to human. it's important to question the things that you're doing. Like I think the amount of times that I've been working on a tune, I'm like, even what I was saying to you before about not just me, but I speak to other producers and often the tunes that they don't like and they doubt, they put out and they're the ones that do great. Like, you know, it's it's totally normal. I think, what do you do when, you know, you're asking how do you overcome doubts with yeah. stuff? Um, you just got to not really give a shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you just got to, like, not let yourself You just got to do care. it, man. You know, I feel like it's one... Of... I heard a really good quote a wee while ago that's always stuck with me and it was, um, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's around about, like, in a roundabout way... You wouldn't care what people think about you if only you realised how seldom they do. Mm. And it's like, you often, like, you know, you think that... Oh, I don't know, you think that you're going to... I get what you mean. It's quite self-explanatory, isn't yeah. it? Nobody, everyone is so absorbed in, in themselves. themselves. Totally. Like, they are their main character exactly. of their story. Yeah. And everyone else just features in it. Exactly. So they're not really bothered about what you're doing because they're too bothered about oh my goodness, what am I doing Exactly. myself, you know? Even, like, before playing gigs and stuff like that, because that's all still quite new to me, and before I, like, you know, playing some some bigger gigs and stuff, the first few, I was pretty nervous, uh, and, like, you know, you have your doubts and stuff, and then I was like, oh, what if I clang the mix and shit, whatever, but then it's like, nobody cares, and the that's best the best DJs still clang their mixes yeah, every do. now and again. And, like, nobody cares, nobody cares, and, like, I've seen so many sets where people have clanged the mix and you know what, I, c- I couldn't tell you because I couldn't remember when it happened because I don't care because you don't. Like, it, yeah. that's the thing. I remember chatting to um, one of the Maribu State guys and he was, because I was saying before I was playing, I was like, you know, a bit nervous. And even he's like, you know, yeah, like, obviously. Like, it's normal to have, like, mm. nerves and doubts before you do these things. It's a big thing to do. That's, that's, not, that's not weird. Um, but yeah, it's just about recognising that really nobody, nobody actually cares, I don't think. It's just, as long as you enjoy it, that's all that matters. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's chat a little bit about your brand new EP that's coming out. So more content uh, is I listen to it and it's I love it. Oh, I think it's so awesome. Like it has a really melodic feel, um, a real mixture of like vocal styles as mm. well as uh, genre styles. Um, and I was just wondering, can you tell us a little bit about what we are going to be hearing and uh, how they came to be in yeah. the EP? Yeah, yeah. Um... Well, I guess there's a mixture, like one of the tracks, um, it's called Fear Richie Made Me Hardcore. That's a, that's, I mean, that name comes from like an old rave documentary, like from the 90s, which was like intentional because I think, you know, we're talking about being in East London. Um, yeah, just being inspired by different kinds of London sounds. And I, I think, wanted to ask you about that as well. Ah, right. Yeah. I was just like, the you title. are so good at coming up with titles. I just imagined you like going into like the Fire Richie store and just bursting out with like loads of cherub angels all over you and being like i am the coolest person in soho (laughs) honestly the titles of stuff like there's less thought that goes into them than you'd think like they're actually just pretty passive but yeah that was like a real attempt to sort of bring together a bunch of different styles that i'd I'd kind of be more exposed to in london like elements of like breaks and jungle and even a little bit of dub and um and just try and turn it into like I don't know, yeah, something that I, that I would make, but just take an influence from those things. So that's that's I'd say that's probably the, like the clubbiest tune on the EP. But I think the rest of it's pretty, pretty chilled, really. Um, there's a tune called Sonder, which 
That one's great. Yeah, no, that's... What what a good intro. That's my favourite. That's my favourite tune. that's one of my... For me, it's Sonder and Fire Rich, You Made Me Hardcore. I I think those are my two favourites as well, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Sonder for me, it's pretty chilled. Like, it's not like a... I don't think it's a massive tune by any means, but it's like... I don't know, I just really like that song a lot. Um, And that... I honestly have no... I couldn't remember how that came, but most of these were all just, like, done... um, I wrote most of these, like, a year ago now. Uh, Maybe even some of them a little bit longer. Um, and it was like lockdown, and um, I can't really remember. I think Sonda just started with a sample, um, and just building something from there. Um, what was um, there's a tune called "Can We Still Be Friends," which is with Lawrence Guy. Again, that was all just pretty organic. Like we just met in a pub in Dalston, wow, and um, went for a wee drink in that, and yeah, just like we went to his studio, just started jamming about all came together very quickly. I think he'd done some drums and some bass and um, I kind of added some piano bits and some harps and stuff and then we both brought some vocals into it. And Yeah, just quite organic. Um, I think you can hear a mixture of sounds on the EP. Yeah, a mixture mm. of things. What were some of like, your favourite moments in creating it? Because like you said, you've got a few features on there. Be- I, because loads of reasons, but you know, largely because of lockdown and busy schedules. But... Um, yeah, getting him with Lawrence was great because I I'm a, I love his music, man. He's so talented and he's such a cool guy as well. Mm. Um, and we've played a few back-to-backs together now like as a result of that. It's just quite nice, like not even just working on music together, but like where that leads from there. Like We ended up doing a back-to-back at Fabric and now we're both playing Lost Village um, and going to do a back-to-back there as well. So it's just quite nice, the kind of doors that it opens to. But I love working with other people. You learn a lot and it's just a lot of fun. Like Producing is such a weird thing because... You don't really get taught how to do it. Like you sort of find your own way of doing it. So when you're meeting other people who are also producers, they do it totally different. Like, and that's obviously there's things that you'll do similar, but generally speaking, people find their own way of doing it, and that's really cool. Like getting into the studio and being like, ah, okay, that's interesting. And so you're I learning all the time as well. Yeah, always, always, always. That's a good thing about well. I suppose it can relate to a lot of other careers as well, but with music, it really seems like it's just an you can never master it. It's yeah. an ever-evolving, ever-changing, um, beautiful thing that you can just always learn from and better yourself. Totally, especially with production because it's such a science. Like the, There's like two strands to like producing. I think there's one that's like the creative thing, which is like, I don't even know how you quantify that. Like That's just something. And like, <laughs> I don't really know. Like That's just a moment. Yeah. But then you've got like this sort of production side of it which is like a bit of a science and like it, I don't think it's a coincidence that some of the best producers are like well into their 40s and 50s because like they've honed that skill mm. and like refined it with practice so yeah I can't remember how I got onto that I don't know what was you asked but <laughs> <laughs> well um give me an artist that you are loving right now a song that's just like really the soundtrack hmm. to your days I love um this tune Mariella by Krangbin. I don't know if you've heard it. I love Krangbin. Oh, big time. So good. Awesome. So good. That's so sick.
gigs that are coming up yeah i've got a lot <laughs> <laughs> you've got loads i've seen I, I can't remember where i've got a lot yeah i'm doing uh 
Dublin. I'm doing one in Lake Como in Italy. That's going to be sick. Wow. Yeah, I'm buzzing for that. That's going to be lit. Yeah, that's going to be so cool. I can't wait to go there. One Just in... don't bring your mate Barry. Yeah, <laughs> course, yeah I know. <laughs> Keep away from the, from the beach. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm doing like a tour. I'm doing a run of dates in America in August and there's still to be announced, but um, I'm going to be heading over there. Yeah, right at the end of July through to August. And then festivals in August, Lost Village, quite a few good things and in December doing a uh, a tour out in Australia as well so and New Zealand so going to be out there for probably about a month which I just I'm buzzing for I've never been so it's going to be cool well there you have it everyone make sure you go and check out Barry yeah. Can't Swim Live because the <laughs> tunes they're banging mate thank you <laughs> well thank you so much for coming out to chat with me today it's been a real pleasure honestly no thank you for it having really me it's has. been great I appreciate it and make sure you check out the more content EP dropping this June 24th Right.